ready for your punishment, slave. I sometimes scream out, no. When really, I mean, yes. Yes, yes! And this is why we have the safe word. Until we hear the safe word, we will not stop. She's not a Christian! Safe word with Jason Rouse. Oh, all right. We weren't recording. That's okay. We can. Shit. <laughs> That's a good way of starting, actually. Yeah. <clears throat> hey, this is uh, Jason. <laughs> hey, <clears throat> hey, this is Jason Rouse, and welcome to Safe Word Podcast. This is take two. Mm. Uh, my guest uh, today, Alan Avril. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got my mic skills down when the bit you didn't record. Uh, no, Avril. Avril. Avril, Avril, it's all right. We won't you know, quibble about it yet. But we were talking um, about how we met the first time Ah, okay, Germany. we were, while well, you didn't... Which you, but I didn't hit record. No, you didn't hit record. I've had a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, you've just been losing stuff. Yeah. Um, we met at uh, Vacan Open Air Heavy Metal Festival. Um, I don't, it must be nearly 10 years ago. Um, me, myself, yourself... Um, Mr. Steve Hughes, another Tom, another great comedian, um, and yeah, we were. Um, how do we start all this again? You know, we bonded over, um, you know, Nightwish, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. It was because uh, Steve was walking through the uh, the fields where Nightwish was playing, and everyone's sitting there holding their girlfriends, looking at the stage, kind of in this somber moment. And Steve yells at the top of his lungs, "This isn't metal!" <laughs> and somebody goes. It's half metal. And he goes, that's not enough. No, and he was quite right. And it's, but the, you know, it's. <laughs> and the fat goth girls come out and hurt. Yeah, no, it's, it's, <clears throat> I mean, I wouldn't call Nightwish goth, but definitely there was lots of fat tits and people strained into corsets and tutus, tutus and new rocks, which is a, a def- desperate look. But, um, yeah, no, goths don't age well. I mean, that's that's what we were segueing into the last time before you realized you hadn't pressed the record button. Yeah. But I went to see Sisters of Mercy about nine months ago in Dublin, and holy fuck, just... A mess. There's just a... You know, there's an age you have to get to where you go, i I got to retire the trench coat. Oh, that's and, hot. And, you know, when you... Ke- <laughs> that's hot as a goth. <laughs> um, and, you know, when you've got... You know, when the, the thinning hair, you're still dying, and you're trying just to pull the comb over thing and... Cut it. Yeah, shave it off. Take it off. New rock boots and just that whole... But you got to respect the commitment. They're like, this is far as I'm going. Yeah, no. This I, is it. No, I, re- I do respect that, but there's just some part of it where you'd... And, you know, the, you, you realize that somebody must have been lying on the floor with a foot on the back to squeeze into that oh. corset. And just... The horses and, and reins and stuff to cinch up those corsets, make it look their backs look like a strung ham. It was... Oh, it was but horrific. you fuck them anyway, don't you, Alan? <laughs> <laughs> you fuck them. You know what? You, they, there'd be a hole in the whole scene if there was I no bet, hogs rolling yeah, around. Yeah, but you know, I have a condom rule with guts. No, I mean, it's um, just... But thankfully that there was so much dry ice that we we're all a little bit lost in the, <laughs> the fog, you know. It's been 30 years of, you know, um, aging process, which was not kind. But I what, don't know. What, what, uh, what band do you think fans out of the whole rock metal scene that didn't age the well would you say like saxon fans or something or no i don't think so i mean i it has to be something like um it has to be something from the last 15 years because i think the metal fashions the last maybe 10 15 years you know you look at new metal those huge big baggy cargo pants and mm-hmm. spiky hair and emo fringes I, I could guarantee you that Dudes who probably maybe seven or eight years ago were rocking an emo fringe are now the dudes who are wearing the hipster beard. Yeah. And the, the boating shoes. They look shoes like they're playing a doom metal band now. Yeah. And they work at no, Starbucks. No, no, no. Not doom metal, but sludge. You know. Sure. Gear metal bands who don't have any riffs who just go. Yeah. And they play in like coffee shops and they have like <laughs> vegan, I don't know, bakery, cookie. bakery <laughs> cookie sales. Bakery sales next stuff. to the shirts. Yeah. It's just, they're the kind of, uh, I don't know whether it's, I, that's a phenomenon that's really. I noticed the first time touring America, maybe like eight or nine, maybe ten years ago, that I hadn't really come to the to Europe yet. Was that whole hipster thing? I never really heard the the word before. Well, it was it was uh, Chavs and Neds. Yeah, but but it, it, it yeah, it didn't really. I never saw that. You no, know? because it, well, I mean, like I went to. So I remember being on the tour and somebody, people, you know, somebody who I didn't really, 
identify as a hipster, they want your Celtic Frost t-shirt, but not your Venom shirt. And I was like, well, how does that work out? Just to split hairs and, uh, mm. you know, kind of heavy metal history. And then I realized, oh, Venom isn't cool, but Celtic Frost is cool. Why is Celtic Frost cool? Oh, because of Southern Lord Records and via Stephen O'Malley, via Wire magazine. Ah, okay, now I get it. There's a paper okay. trail yeah, for, there's for coolness. Th there's a paper trail of coolness, and it begins with a K, you know, cult coolness. And then you realize you're standing. I remember being at a bar in New York when we played, and I was standing, and, well, and I'm, our guitar player goes, does that lad have no glasses in his glasses? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Potato Head. There's no, no, there's no glass in his glasses. And I was there, oh, yeah. Man, why have you got no glasses in, in, your, in your... And then we went, oh, the penny it's dropped. The penny dropped, you know? It's, it's hard to describe a hipster. I mean, is it a, is it a redundant term now? Well, be it's become parody of itself, you know. But it I mean? always was. Mm. But do you think that people who are like full, full on hipsters, you know, the, the boating shoes, the cardigan, the hair, oh, the beard, I'm I mean, do, sure. but do they know that that's what they are, or do they think they're ahead of the curve? I think there's a sense of denial involved that this is pioneering ground that they're on. They're 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 uh, fashionistas, and uh, it's it wearing dead people's clothing in 1930s fashion. But. I've, I've always wondered that because it's, it's just silly. like do, do people who are like that um, know that that's what they are I mean do they know that they're objects of ridicule and parody or my, my cousin told me he goes no you can't use that in a word, word anymore he, go, he, go, he says to me god you're so fucking 2009 you can't use the word hipster or 2005 I was like well what's the word now and he told me whatever term it was and cunts <laughs> it was always cunts but it's the adoption of <clears throat> whatever appears to be the most alternative by the people who are the least alternative. Is that the actual yeah, definition? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a contradiction because these, these, this type of demographic comes to the comedy shows and they get all uppity on behalf of a, a, a somebody... Uh, a oh, but that's different. That's a, an a different SJW group. thing, isn't it? Social justice warrior. That's, yeah. a, that's a different thing. Yeah, but, but, that, but it's but all rooted that, this hipsterism. Is that like the sort of ground coffee that's brewed into the, the cup or something? That's part of the distillation process is that you might have some... You start off as a hipster and then you move to that sort of politics, or I don't know. It's not really politics, is it? It's a form of a, I think a fashion statement they're, politically. They're just, they're, they, it's like lost campers who are being like over the top for women's rights and things so that women will like them. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a weak kind of character thing to kind of go in through the back door rather than just be straight up, up front then imitate something like <coughs> this, this, this lumberjack with a pussy. But is, it <coughs> is that all it is? I mean, it, it would seem to me to be, I mean, a good example is this, you know, you have this, I don't know how much of these kind of things you get um, here, but, you know, Germaine Greer, arguably the greatest living feminist of the 20th century, had to get into a war of words with some woman from uh, the Students' Union at Cardiff University, who's probably 20 years old, uh, who wanted to ban her coming to speak because of her opinions on transgender people. Um, so it's like the, it's like Twitter and social networking has become this Stasi surveillance society in that. And it's, 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 it's um, young people that are... Yes, with not a leg to stand on. Yeah, well, what the fuck do you know when you're 19? Thank fuck I didn't have yeah. Twitter when I was 19. Because I'd look back now, 20 years there, and go, fucking hell, man. It's not very progressive. But no, but it's not that it's even progressive. The point is that... And ultimately, when she did come to speak, 12 people turned out for the protest. So 2,000 people mm -hmm. signed the petition and 12 people turned out for the protest. And I think that you know, social networking encourages what I call inactive humanitarianism in that it's, it encourages um, you think you're being involved in a cause, but ultimately all you're doing is pressing like. Yes. So how did this get so serious? There's nothing all of a really emotionally attached to your gesture. No, absolutely not. And that's what um, insulates you from the repercussions but the problem is that the so noise surrounding um you, you know the buzz the buzz no it's not that no it's it's like twit the noise on twitter is what the media wants to report because your average person who has a level opinion perhaps about these things isn't on twitter shouting the loudest you know mm. how did it get so serious all of a sudden that's fine i i 10 minutes in i mentioned jermaine greer i bet that's the first for your podcast is it yeah <laughs> i can't even spell that jermaine greer oh okay hmm. <laughs> I just said it three times mm. for no particular reason. Uh, yeah, no, it's... Uh, I, it's. But I presume that some of that SJW culture has been distilled from that, as you say, the hipster lifestyle. And that maybe the 
and on some level the emasculation of society, you know, which is that the old archetypes of maleness are considered to be um, archaic or something from the past. I, you think know? I remember Rollins talking something about that, how it's, you know, a lot of demasculation mm. going on. Well, I mean, that's... Yeah, that's prevalent so in, in probably most of society. Probably something to do with these leg warmers I'm wearing. Hmm? And heels. <laughs> I don't think that's emasculation. Mm. I think that's more of a, a cisgen Sh- Short issue. on my rent. Yeah, I don't even know what that means, cisgen. But I think that's... I think the part of this is the... I mean, if you look at um, Western culture and Western society, um, I'm going to try and get even more serious for a moment. Um, <clears throat> I think we're in the final stages of our empire. And what will stand to us is the fact that when the zombie apocalypse comes, we're going to be arguing about Bruce Jenner or arguing people are going to be making noise on Twitter about no. trans- transgenders. Be water, food, shelter. And a gun. And a gun. <laughs> what kind of gun are you uh, hoping for when, they, when they're handing them out? I actually am. Um, the only time I've ever fired guns is when I was in on the Belarusian border. Um, me and my friend um, paid money to go into the... Um, the underneath a cop shop, uh, like kind of like under the counter to shoot guns in like a an underground bunker. Yeah, and I fired a fight like club style. Yeah, yeah, we fired like fucking shotguns and automatic assault rifles and all sorts of stuff. But we were there with um, six, five or six really, really fucking irritating drunk Austrian teenagers <laughs> who were there on some kind of a stag party. Yeah, who arrived wasted at a gun. Yeah, but you paid the money and this. Big fucking huge dude with a mustache. This is what you must do. So now you hold this and you must do this. I'm like, me and my mate were like fucking holding. It's the first time I ever held a, like a fucking shotgun or yeah. whatever, you know. And this little drunk Austrian, he's flailing around the place oh holding a no. gun over his head. I'm just like, uh, fuck, this could turn into a, well. A, w- a whoops-a-daisy. Yeah, it's something serious could happen here. I mean, it probably would never make, we'd be buried in a, <laughs> a forest then, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> somewhere. They're in like, the they left a festival and we haven't yeah. seen them since. No, no, yeah, I think they were taking a ferry across to Finland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and so that was the first time I ever fired a gun. And um, the first time I ever really felt that actual, because, you know, obviously in Ireland you can't, you know, buy guns or we don't even, our police force isn't even armed. Mm-hmm. Um, so unless you were like a terrorist in the 1980s, the chances are you've never fired a gun. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it was but the military is quite present, though. No, wait, no. I mean, Ireland has like um, I, I think we have like two biplanes and two helicopters. You know, our army is um, is is purely. I'm, I probably have a friend who's in the army now. Is going to kick my ass when I go home. <laughs> it's it wouldn't if somebody wanted to invade to take over Ireland, um, which um, Hitler thought. Churchill was going to do and vice versa, you know. Um, they could probably do it in a day and a half. We don't really have much of an army presence. We, we don't really have a military history. I mean, traditionally in Ireland, um, the police aren't armed as part of our constitution in order to stop a potential military takeover and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's it's written into our constitution. But, like, so we never, we weren't around guns. I mean, what about you? Did you fire guns when you were a kid or what? No, there was none of that. Because there's the only... The way that you would have been around that as a kid is if there was hunters in the family. Right. And that would be the end Hunters of and incest. Hunters and incest. It's a good name for a country <laughs> band. <laughs> you be hunter, I'll be incest. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, but, you do, but the laws are different there. Was that the only reason you would have had... Um, I mean, what, the, what did they say? A gun was such a thing, like it was something you saw in a Hollywood movie. You really... And outside the police <coughs> department and some hunting rifles, you really were not around it. I, it's, it's, I do remember playing in um, Seattle... And one of the first times I ever really saw a gun um, was a fight outside. We'd played, um, and by the way, I didn't say what band I'm in. It's called Primordial, by the way. Um, so we're, we're playing in Seattle. Hey, why don't we play a song? No. Yeah, okay. <laughs> what song do you want to hear? Um, play a short, less boring one. It's up to you to choose. All right. I'll suggest it later on. Anyway, so we were in, um, yeah, we were in uh, Seattle and... Um, where, you know, the bus was just full of um, contraband and this and illegal, this, that, and the other. And I was standing at the door, the bus, the door of the bus, and these two dudes fell out of the bar having a fight. And one guy kicked the other to the floor, and then he pulled out a gun, and he put it to his head, to his temple. And I thought, fuck, fuck I'm going to see this dude get shot, like literally 10 yards from me. But he didn't shoot him. He shot in the ground beside him. Oh, rung his bell a little bit. Yeah, and then got on a bike. <laughs> 
a yeah. bike and disappeared off into the city He's wearing a primordial shirt. Oh, really? And I was like, <laughs> fuck. And That's the, the opening of your next music video. And then the police came within three or four minutes. Yeah. And they wanted to come on the bus and they were like, you know, what's oh, going no. on here? And that was that was pretty fucked up. But in a very strange, um, you know, kind of CSI kind of way. I don't know. Scorsese-esque. Very weird. Except for the guy, the fact that he went off on a bike, a bicycle, yeah. which I thought was kind of funny. But oh, and also we were in Alabama or Kentucky or something, and um, a cop got shot while we played. You know they don't have any security on the door, so they hire, seem to hire a cop to just stand in the venue, and that guy, um, went outside for something and got shot. And so we're playing, and there was no stage. We're in the crowd, like 150 lunatics, 120 oh, swarming around, and the cops came down into the crowd. So I was literally, you know, corpse painted up, singing, and making noise, and. Just this huge cop just walking towards me. But they didn't stop the show, which is very, very <laughs> they strange. They did in Paris, didn't they? <laughs> they slightly did, yeah, yeah, slightly did, yeah. What's your whole observation on that? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I think that there's so many ways to come at that story. Um, I'm not no, do you like Eagles of Death Metal? I, I mean, I think, it's, <laughs> I, I think it's crap, but... That it was what it, it, whereas before, you know, acts of terrorism were maybe two or three, maybe four degrees of, te- of separation. I mean, we grew up with it in Ireland as kids. We heard it on the news every day, but I'm from the south, not the north. So, But many of my friends from the north, um, they all knew somebody who'd been, you know, either shot or blown up or something. We didn't have much in the south. Um, but that show is one degree of separation. I mean, I knew the merch guy a bit. Yeah, I knew some people at it. If that had been an actual death metal show, we would have probably known 60, 70, 80% of the people at it, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it, it's very complicated because it's, it's, I don't know what news you get here as opposed to in Europe. I mean, I suppose as an international podcast, it doesn't really make any difference. Um, but I think the, 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 the main thing people have to understand about this is that... <coughs> Whereas the Taliban or, you know, the Al-Qaeda operative name or whatever you want to call it, they had objectives and aims, which is they wanted the West out of their countries. These um, ISIS have no aims like this. Their objective is war against Western culture to all intents and purposes. So now everything is open season. It creates a completely different... um, way of looking at every gathering of people, whether it could be a football match, yeah. all our festivals we a play wedding. next summer, anything. They, they weren't going to attack churches. Large and groups of people. Anybody. And I think that there's a terrible conflict in, uh, in the West in that um, every, how can I say this, every conversation that needs to be had about the crisis, the migrant crisis, or the... Um, the influence of Islamification in Europe is being sidelined by the left as right-wing propaganda. And what they're doing is systematically destroying centrist politics. Um, and even by saying that, people will say, oh, I'm, I'm now an agent of the right, etc. Um, you know, which is, of course, bullshit. It's just you know, common sense to uh, approach a taboo and challenge it. Um, and we, you have to have these conversations. But there's so many incredible things happening in Europe. I mean, you look at Turkey just shot down a Russian plane. Yeah. Um, Turkey ostensibly is on the side of the Americans in the UK in backing the Arab Spring and the Muslim Brotherhood, which then morphed into ISIS, which took in many ex-Iraqi soldiers. And on the other side is Putin and Russia. And there's this, there is this third world war. um, Bubbling? Chess thing bubbling, yeah. You know, and ISIS are sort of like the out of control like the Frankenstein's monster yeah. of Saudi Arabia, something that's been created that um, could ultimately destroy them. Sorry, it all got very serious all of a sudden. Do you want to go back to talking about fat tits and incest? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, people um, appreciate this. Yeah, so it's, it, it, it's I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of hand-wringing in Europe because don't forget, a, a certain section of Islamic society views Europe as the great, as satanic. Right, it's amoral, it's decadent, it uh, it's godless, it's purely materialistic, and you know, from a certain point of view, I can understand that because sure. it is. But at the same time, it's it's my satanic society, yeah. um, so there has to be a debate about how 
what does a secular society do or say when people who have a certain theocratic or a certain religious way of looking at the world fail to absorb into it? And it's obvious people have failed to absorb. I mean, nearly all of the Bataclan attackers you're referring to, the Eagles of Death Metal concert, they came from an area of Belgium. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not from Syria. They're, they're actual, you know, they're passport holding Europeans. Free range retards. Well, obviously, yeah, but, you know, when you're, this is the same thing when you're dealing with people who, on some level, have been indoctrinated to believe that they have 72 virgins when they go to heaven. What oh. the fuck are they going to live in? Yeah, we won't even start on that. But it's, it's, all of a sudden, Europe is real. I mean, it started with the, it started with, you know, the, there's been a deconstruction of European nationalism for the last 30, 40 years that I think, anyway, blah, blah, blah. I blah, think blah. aliens will get rid of organized religion. What do you think? If aliens come, and I not mean directly, like, cut the bullshit out. Right, right. We're going to teach you how to make a fucking time machine. Right, okay. G get rid of the, <coughs> get the guy down at the cross and the rest of the gibberish. Mm -hmm. You know, I like the stained glass <coughs> and stuff, but we'll, we'll turn them into pubs and we're going to have a great time. <laughs> right? But, okay. So then, every, then it, 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 will that, then there's no God, right? Oh, you mean if they find a living organism on another planet? No, if alien comes down, fucking... You know, uh, uh, ET style. So you think that that couple with a moon eyes? You think that that inbred couple from Arkansas are going to go? Well, I don't know. I, there must be no God now because we we done met an alien. I think that was my I, best Arkansas accent. But would they maybe in, uh, idolize the alien? Is the maybe the alien becomes <coughs> God? Uh, um, I I think that uh, the, the other thing that I find. F even fascinating about that concept is that somehow humans think that if you think about the timeline of the existence of um, the universe, right? And so you think of our part in our, uh, our tiny part in that evolution, right? So if you think of that as a timeline, we, for us to consider that um, aliens could travel here, you know, with technology, and we, could, you know, to be serious for a moment, that we could actually meet them. This would suggest that an alien civilization has matured and evolved at this in the same nanosecond as our civilization. What happened? What about if there was an alien civilization 120 million years ago that has already come and gone and become extinct? Do you, do you, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, 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 totally. D there's, a, there's, totally. A, there's, a, there's a linear timeline here. There might be, uh, you know, it's like... Uh, the uh, chances of us meeting aliens are who are something that we could actually relate to yeah. uh, is almost so minute as to be, I think, not even calculable. Now, we might find a... Remnants? Um, pyramids? Pyramids? Okay, I see where you're going with this. <laughs> um, maybe, but I think it's more likely that we'll find some form of... Um, maybe some kind of... Something similar to the where the origins of man came from, you know, some sort of, some sort of, I don't know, zygote living in the primordial soup. Is zygote the right word? I don't. Know, I just wanted to say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but but it, it just means that another species, another another civilization would have had to evolve in the exact same timeline as us, and the timeline is so massive. And you look at the tiny fraction where we popped in. What are the chances that? Um, you know, I don't know. Status quo had a hit in Sweden as the same hit in Iceland in 1971, huh? That was my okay. I'll leave that one hanging there. Now, no, you know what I mean, though. You know what I mean. The planet's bigger. Mm. Hang on, say so that again. So that the planet's bigger, and we are growing. It's hard to take you seriously with those white headphones. It's uh, I know. I look like a escape <laughs> mental patient trying to la land a helicopter. <laughs> well, oh, no, no. I was gonna say you look like you have AIDS, and you're getting radiotherapy or something. That's it. <laughs> I'm uh, Tom Hanks in Philadelphia right now. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so let me get this IV out. Yeah. All right. And relax. And the catheter. Oh, the catheter. Have you ever had a catheter? No. Have you been sick? Because you, you've been to, what, 20 countries? More than that. More than 20 countries? Yeah, yeah. How many countries have you performed in? Countries? Um, I don't know. It must be 30, 40. 30, 40 countries. I've been in, I've been in um, El Salvador, and I've been in um, Russia, so I don't know. You know. Where did you, have you ever been sick? No. You've generally not. I've hardly ever road. been sick. No. I'm a healthy motherfucker. Colds? Not really, no. Fuck it's you. that steady diet of um, soccer it. in the rain and amphetamine. <laughs> yeah, fucking hell. I'm indestructible. <laughs> no, I never really get sick. I never really get sick. Even even on tour for 30, 40 days, um, I'll be the <sighs> guy who, after a third day on the binge, goes out running and does the, you know, it's a, you know, 
I see you've got kiwi fruits and ginger here. Yeah. It's a sort of your sh- to stave off vampires, is it? Or oh, I just the health vampire. Just so there's no blood in my urine. That's why. <laughs> That's the only reason why. If I don't throw a couple of pieces of citrus and uh, some omega three in there. But you ever notice how you buy a piece of ginger and it just sits there and then eventually rots and you go, what was I supposed to do with that? How was I supposed oh, to eat no, that? Oh, no, that always ends up in a hooker's asshole at the end of the <laughs> night. I, I take the skin off and make a little ginger butt plug for I, and kneel on it. I don't have to do that, seeing as I am ginger. Oh, there you go. There you, go. <laughs> you can use that one if you want. <laughs> you can have that joke. When, when they're booing, yeah. I'll bring it around. And you're you're here uh, on behalf of... Uh, Hang on, you were, we were going somewhere with that. Were we? I don't know. Where were we going? What were, we ta- what were we talking about? Ginger? Oh, no. just drugs and drinking on the road. Um, and how I, I'm well, dying. Like you asked me why did I, I look get sick. Ill, I look deathly ill, and you, you're going to go for a jog after this. Yeah, yeah. You, look, you asked me have I ever been sick, but also how many countries I've been in and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like you fall down the stairs, break a wrist or something. Um, like, have you ever been hospitalized? No. I'm o- I've only ever been hospitalized once for I had 14 stitches in my hand. I could say it was a bar fight, but it's actually playing hockey. Mm. Um, and that's the only time I've ever been in hospital. That's it. You're I'm not due something bad. It's bound to come in about two years. Oh, I'm it's going to come in like a fucking ton of oh, bricks. Yeah. I, a mudslide. I mean, pr- probably in a Did year. Did you hear what happened to Alan? He hung himself. Yeah. No, his ankle was bothering him. It's going to be like, in a year, you're going to have someone else on this podcast, and you go, geez, did you hear what happened to Abel? <laughs> he, he got something and died like in two days. Yeah. Pleurisy. Or, it was, I don't it know, was a, rickets. Wa- a whopper in, in Oslo. He got rickets. Wiped them out. He got rickets and then went, you know, yeah, you, diving off the high board, and you'll get one of those pirate diseases. Yeah, too. yeah. it'll be rickets. What's what's another one that was only left scurvy. Ireland? Scurvy, scurvy, scurvy. Yeah, that's yeah. why you have a, a a grapefruit. Well, that's what they call. That's the, apparently the reason why they call English people limeys, because to eat a lime, uh, which high concentrate in vitamin C, yeah. uh, would stave off scurvy. Yeah, they, that's another well, interesting what's fact. The, what's some of the side effects of scurvy? I don't know, actually. I know rickets bends your bones. Have you ever been on the road and woken up with uh, some fat pig in your... T- <laughs> <laughs> in my coffin. I'll tell you what I did do, which is really fucking stupid. Um, I, I played in um, Berlin, I don't know, a couple of years ago. Actually, with Solstafir. And um, I, I smashed a microphone stand. And in this stupid fit of sort of, I don't know, technical altruism with the stage guys... Um, I uh, I tried to kind of bend the microphone stand back and caught a huge chunk out of my finger hey. in and just bleh, just lopped it off in the microphone stand. This is in the second song, so another hour to play of just bleeding Bleed everywhere, out. which of course you know I'm in, in black metal terms looks kind of cool, you know. So the the I came off wasted and just this huge chunk taken out my finger, blood everywhere, and then um, the guy promoter just wrapped it in a sort of bandage. A dirty sock you found yeah, in the green room. Kind of, yeah, like a wax Guys sock. have been jacking off. <laughs> and so we it went cracked when you put it around your finger. Yeah, we, we had a whole night of eventful, you know, night of this, that, and the other. And I forgot that it happened. And I woke up in the morning, um, fucking hands stuck to my face, blood mm. everywhere, blood on the pillow, whatever. And I don't know if you ever fainted, like proper fainted. I was coming down the elevator. When I was getting blood taken. I yeah, yeah. Oh, it's terrible. And I wasn't standing. And the last bit of the bandage was just stuck to my hand. And I could see this huge chunk of my finger about to come off. And, uh, went, and it just went... It just stuck uh, to the wall. And I just... A piece oh, of pepperoni. And came down to the elevator. And the guy, the, one of the guitar techs just said... He opened the elevator door and I was just... Thunk, and just came out, crashed on You're the lucky you didn't knock your teeth out. It's happened to some people, I know. Yeah, yeah. And so they pulled me into the back of the van. And I was just like... I didn't know who I was. I didn't know where I was, what I was doing. didn't know anything. And by the time they'd taken me to the hospital, it all started to come back. But, of course, I'd only been asleep for two or three hours, so my whole blood was filled with narcotics. And oh. the first thing they did was ask me, what have you taken before we stitch up your hand? <laughs> Let <laughs> me w- get the groceries and list <laughs> out. <laughs> and the bus call was in like an hour, and I went, oh, do you have to stitch it? Is it, is it really that big? And she went, no, nah, it'll probably heal on its own. And she, she said, well, what, what, you know, we, ha- we need to talk to you about what you've taken to stitch up your hand. And the list was, you know, half a dozen things. Yeah. Um, sorry to shatter the illusion of some people who think that I'm, you know, some pagan metal superhero who only eats kale and kiwi fruits and yeah. lives on a farm. No, whiskey and speed. Yeah. And um, so uh, we ha- we left my hand. They just cleaned it and left my hand because the bus call was coming and there were so many drugs they would have had to wait for six hours before they stitched up my hand <laughs> and gave me an anesthetic. <laughs> um, and... 
Well, where was I going with that story? What was the reason for that story? I don't know. Just something really stupid that I did when uh, I... Oh, getting sick on the road. Oh, yeah. And, and traveling. And, and that was as near as I got. So it's very hard to, um, you know, so if you're wearing quartz paint and you have all this stuff, to try and sort of cover over the conical sort of, you know, like the stitching thing yeah, on your, yeah, on your yeah, left yeah. hand. And, you know, it's handy for making the devil sign. Because your right, sure. right hand is permanent. Your right finger is permanently... Straight up. Yeah. But just trying to... It's good for pointing as well. <laughs> <laughs> but just casually holding a microphone stand, not so much, you know. But uh, best and worst. Of what? Diseases? Shows. Is, yeah, diseases. <laughs> um, what, uh, what's best and worst STD? Um, yeah, this one time in 79. Old Barnacle Bill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, what's, a, what's a place you went to and then you were like, wow, this is cool? The first when you start first touring Europe, ninety seven, ninety six, ninety eight, or whatever. Um, I'm I'm pretty thankful that mostly with Primordial, and even with the other bands that I'm in, it's always been kind of okay. Primordial has a history now and a sort of, sort of hardcore fan base that we, they very la- very rarely leave us hanging, playing to eighty people on a Tuesday or something. Yeah, we rarely have that. So. Um, what what did even in Dublin? Yeah, no, even Dublin's because sometimes where you're from, they don't give a fuck. Ah, uh, no, we do okay. You do, we do right there. We'll do you know six hundred or seven hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, what I did find very interesting earlier this year in May, we played in Moscow and then in Maryland in the same f- month or or so. Yeah, and the similar what a culture clash that is. Not really the similarities between the two sides, from everything from the um, immigration in the airport to the astounding, mind-boggling l- poverty that you witnessed on your way in and out. Are I, even in Russia. Oh, what yeah. what Moscow. areas? And well, it's cold, too. That's the worst kind of poverty, in the snow. Uh, Moscow was just... Y- I was there for three days, I didn't, I didn't really... And it was, j- like, uh, January or something oh like yeah. that. Oh, <coughs> yeah. Well, we went out, and it was... I mean, the people are great. They're, like, they, they're the most... They're the, the most polite, friendly, and rudest in the same sentence, but don't realize quite what they're doing. And you've either got people... Cr- literally crying because you're being you're there and they've you haven't they've been waiting twenty years to see you, and then the next guy beside you is like um, stinking of diesel, um, you know, trying to uh, take some of my caviar and you know trying to feed you like vodka shots and oh, whatever. Yeah. And I like it. I like the insanity of it. It was <laughs> pure, uh, you know. And you're gonna can I, can I stay out and go to the bar with these dudes? No yeah. last call in Moscow. Well, you know, you must go to the hotel. It will take uh, maybe two hour forty five minutes. Rush hour means four hours just to get from one side. It's a bit. It's not unlike L.A. Yes, just colder and grayer. Yeah, it is uh, beautiful but, women. But yeah, holy shit! Yeah. Like really, holy shit! Russian women are—they're not big smilers. <laughs> they're not big smilers, but they are. They make it up for the pretty. No, I mean all of Eastern Europe is like that. Um, I know quite how I've it got, you get attitude from these fucking pigs in this fucking town. I'm like. I put a garden hose on you and wash off all the makeup and your glittered pussies. Fuck you. You go, you know, I'm not going to get into it. I go, I go, I go in this rant every you time. You should go to Estonia or Lithuania, Latvia, Belarus, Tallinn, Ukraine, Russia. It's I was really disappointed staggering. with, uh, with uh, Hungary. Hungary, really? Were yeah. You? My friend, every time I bring it up to people who've been there, they're like, what? Yeah, I don't get I, that either. I, I was there it's for very beautiful two days. There in Hungary. I didn't see everybody look like they'd just been robbed. What were you doing? You just in the gay sauna or what were you doing? I was just <laughs> walking around my mouth open to see what kind of dicks would fly into it. <laughs> and in the mid, in between that, just <laughs> making a blog or two, yeah. Uh, and no one, and the thing here too is no one knows how to take the piss. Like, when I was in New York, the comics rip on each other. Yeah. And when you start fucking with people here, like, hey... Uh, What's your problem? What do you mean in LA or what? Yeah. Uh, what what is that in LA? Um, personality trait as composed. I'm um, obviously New York. Yeah, it's yeah. got to be a place where everybody, everybody traditionally, like historically, is known for being, you know, abrasive and you know. In Los Angeles? No, in New York. Oh, in New York. Yeah, yeah. They're way up front. They're, they're you know, it's w- London. W- yeah, yeah, exactly. So New York's London. Or you know, and Dublin in a different way. You know, people's. Um, say what they mean, but what what's the difference between New York or and here then? Oh my God! Oh my log! <laughs> Are you going to lose work by answering that it's question? It's totally <laughs> different, man. I've never wanted to punch so many people. My, my whole goal now in my career is to make enough. Used to get those glasses knocked off your face. No, no, no. Listen, Come to Dublin; it'll happen in half an hour. No. <laughs> or go to Glasgow. Oh, Glasgow's great. Yeah, it's the best. 
I love glass. Yeah, I've yeah. never had problems, with, but I hang out with cool really people with cool uh, Glaswegians. Yeah, cool people who know my to buddy uh, to know Steven. when to vacate the building. <laughs> my buddy had a baseball bat near his door, and I'm like, "Do you really need that?" And he goes, "Yeah." I fucking I. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I love, I love Glasgow. I love. I mean, the thing about it is, like, we played a lot of gigs over the years, and you know, places like Birmingham, Bradford. I like Birmingham. Yeah, well, I, I like the people. Mm. The place is horrible, but you need a sense of humor to live there. Do you know what I mean? I oh, mean, it's it, not bad around the train fuck station. Fuck off. Fuck it's off. It's all right. Yeah, I yeah. walk around there with oh, a coffee. Off. I go see the bowl, oh, the bowl shit. ring. There's shopping yeah, malls. Yeah, I love the glamour of Hull and Scunthorpe and, and, and uh, Halifax. And a Marks and Spencers. You get my little cut-up fruits. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's, they're grim places. All right, give me give me five best cities in England. One, number one is Edinburgh. Number is one's Edinburgh? Oh, easily. Oh, no, Glasgow, hang on. I think Glasgow's no, way better Scottish than Edinburgh. Scottish people would be upset at me now because Edinburgh is not in England. It's in the United Kingdom, it's not. Yeah, part, it's of not course, and respect. Okay, I, I respect. With respect. It. Okay, are we talking? What are we talking about? Are we talking about aesthetically, or just no? It, all around. All it, around. All around. Best moments. Hmm. Um. I mean, aesthetically, Newcastle. I've been. I sp- I've spent a Saturday night in Newcastle, and I met some head the balls at a bar and hung out with them, and I. I it was great. Uh-huh. I mean, it, they could batter, batter your fucking head in at yeah. any moment, but I, I, you know, I kind it's of enjoyed the city. Yeah, they have that all. The most beautiful, the most beautiful is Edinburgh, and then some of the old Roman cities, so like Bath, um, Bristol, Chester are quite nice. Um, As for the crack or whatever you want to call it, like that, Brighton, Glasgow, Brighton. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) See what you're getting at. No, Brighton. I like Brighton. I never been to Brighton. I never been. Oh, it's really nice. Shittiest beaches I've ever seen in my life. Good if you like the cock, apparently. Oh, I just go around with a wheelbarrow, with my asshole <laughs> facing out the other way. You know me, Ten Dick Tony. They call me in Brighton. You fucking Irish queer. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's uh, Glasgow's great crack. I mean the thing about it is, is that Dublin has some of the same characteristics. You know, like yeah, when you're in Dublin, it's not that dissimilar to Liverpool or Manchester. Mm-hmm. And I really they would ride over that, but. Yeah, no, no, I don't think so because you know Liverpool is full of third, second, third, fourth generation Irish immigrants there. You yeah. know, so even their accent is is a derivation of our our accent. You know, and um, I have lots of good friends from there. You know, loads of in bands in Yorkshire and stuff like that. And um, I think we share a sense of humour that maybe the south of England, when you're in London, doesn't quite have the same thing. And I'd rather be in Liverpool on a Saturday night than some pretentious then in Shoreditch or something in fucking yeah. London or something. You know, I'd rather be in Newcastle or... Oxford? Uh, you know, I don't want to be there. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? Do you know what I mean? I mean? Maybe during the day, I stroll around, look at some yeah. nice old, um, you know... In your, in your, your architecture. golden years. Yeah, but Go see you know... museums, fall I, in the river. My best nights have been in, like, Glasgow and Liverpool. I mean, and the last yeah. times we played in Manchester, it would, it demand, and they were great. They're fucking animals. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Liverpool people, I, I think, are tougher, but Manchester people got more. Be careful money. what you say because you're going to go out there and play, and they'll fucking. Oh, that's fine. I had a guy <laughs> who tried to fight me on the stairs because I bumped into him. Yeah, I watched two. La- I watched two girls the last time in Manchester with stilettos off, kick the fuck. fuck out of each other. Yeah, they go. I think because Manchester has a bit of money, so they do really tons of gear. Well, tons of gear. I don't know about and then go a fight bit the police. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. No, but I mean they're, they, they're more. I remember recording uh, an album in 2003 in uh, Bradford, which is which is the asshole of the world. I can't say anything nice about the place, but we got a Saturday night out and we went to Wakefield. Well, I think, as far as I remember correctly, Wakefield is famous for a massacre, mm. right? And so we arrived at about 8 p.m. and literally it was a two-kilometer stretch of um, white stilettos, short skirts, broken teeth, broken glass. <laughs> Kebabs, <laughs> lads with football jerseys on. Yeah. What are you fucking looking at? Yeah, you it's fucking dangerous. It's we, dangerous. we got out in our. So if it was twelve years ago, I might have still been in my, you know, trench coat, bullet belt, um, eyeliner phase. Who knows? Yeah. Um, you know, my Martinane, uh, Celtic Frost phase. Possibly not. I'm, I think I maybe wasn't even that stupid to go out in Leeds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dressed like that. But we got out of a taxi and we went. We went to see our mates' band who were playing in the back of a pub, and the, the lad was in the door was like. Are you sure you're in the right fucking place? And we're like, yeah, we'll come see Band the Back. All right, well, let's go on in. 
And then at least they give you the, the, the respect oh, yeah, the they warning. Do. Like, hey, they do. They do. you might run into some problems here. You might want to oh, fuck we sure? off. We're not, we're, not, we're not stupid, so yeah. we knew that. But we came out, and it was kicking out time from the pubs into the nightclubs. Danger so zone. It, it was the met, purge. It goes it, to the purge. It was insane. It was literally just There's fight, bouncers fight, and fight, chip fight, fight, shops. Fight. Just chips and broken glass. <laughs> and people pissing and fighting and blood and just <laughs> cunts with footy shirts on. And the bouncers, like, hitting people. And the police just running around. And we come out. And it literally was like a fucking war zone. It was Saturday yeah. night. Puke. And people in mainland Europe who are like, you know, ha- sipping a glass of wine outside a, a brasserie in uh, the south of France, yeah. they have no idea what Glasgow, Birmingham, Bradford, Leeds, Liverpool, sometimes Dublin, Belfast can be like on a Saturday night where the people you've got to be fucking wary of are people from that fucking city. The locals. Yeah. Like you the, 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 most, the most brutal city I've nearly ever been in is Cardiff. Or was it Swansea? Uh, people are going to kick my ass from there. I saw a guy slap his girlfriend in the middle of the day in Cardiff. It, it's a fucking brutal. It's and no just, one blinked. Yeah, it's just, you know, I mean, it's that night out in Wakefield. and about. I paid him 10 bucks to do it, but he did it. <laughs> 10 bucks? What's that? It's only yeah. about 6 euro 50 or something. 6.50. Let's take a, a short break. And I have a oh, yeah, yeah. Smoke and I, and I'll try and finish off with the ends of all the stories <laughs> I started ending. <laughs> I know, you got two rambling lunatics. <laughs> I'm drooling out of the corner of my mouth. But that's why I'm just letting you run. But at, least, but at least I don't have AIDS. I've got to make the best of it. Best of it, you know. The best of it? It's Thanksgiving. <laughs> Yeah, we're back. You can live a long. You can live a long time with AIDS now. Yeah, we made it with the right meds. So what's uh, what what are you doing for music now? You're working with Metal Blade. Mm -hmm. Are you doing some sort of head hunting or? Uh, No, uh, I mainly mainly when an American band wants to know in Europe where to go and buy drugs, um, they (laughs) text they text me and go. Um, hey man, we're in Berlin. Where can we go and score some speed? That's a good, uh, good emo accent. It's not bad, right? Uh, no, I'm I'm two A and R, so I, um, I don't know. I'm like a sort of conduit for the underground or something like this. Um, um, you know, it's great. I kind of have a bit of a free reign to try and look for new bands and um, this and that. And then I'm playing in Primordial. I'm playing in Dread Sovereign. I'm maybe doing another Blood Revolt album with the guys from Revenge. And yeah, I'm just always busy. Oh, you're, yeah, you're always. Write, writing articles oh, and I'm things like that. Yeah, yeah, I write for Zero Tolerance magazine and I just have my own blog now about politics. And um, yeah, just sort of relentless, which I guess is because I have no family, no car, yeah. no debts, no mortgage, no yeah. nothing like this. So no kids, no nothing. So I'm, I'm um, yeah, sort of heavy metal renaissance man, you know. That's cool. Fueled man. by amphetamine. That's cool. What were some of the first shows that you went to? That got you going because you Primordial's been around for 15 years 91 91 25 years shit huh since I was 16 yeah um, which makes me 31 now um, the first gigs I ever went to actually bizarrely enough the first band I ever saw on a proper stage was Danzig really Danzig and Metallica for Injustice for All um, May or April 1988 I first show I went to was Queensryche Injustice for All in Hamilton in 1988 88 yeah, 88 yeah. yeah would be the same yeah first that was your first oh that was the first proper show you the saw. first proper show I saw yeah. some like local um, you know thrash bands playing in the, yeah. the, the village hall not the village hall like the the rugby club we used to call it um, yeah. Killer Watt or something which would only mean anything to about 100 Irish people by now uh-huh. but yeah my, the first band I ever saw was the classic lineup of Danzig yeah um, and then pissed up James Hatfield when he really meant it yeah singing it fucking it Welcome Home Sanitarium yeah yeah it was great yeah. I was uh, floor seat seventh row oh no Metallica back uh, then were outstanding Hat- Hatfield was a master master lyricist incredible singing just but everything. he doesn't. He doesn't necessarily sing like you have a, a more of a, a Judas Priest operatic. I can do that kind of thing. <laughs> I have a few you, voices. You're pretty broad. But I have, I have a few voices. But I have this, you know, this mid-range singing thing. But Hatfield was a huge influence. I mean, it just the more that he he had this commanding presence that at the time um, was not, you know, uh, even though I liked Wasp and things at the time, it was a bit different from the glam rock. Kind of stuff. He was almost like a cartoony kind of. No, he was. He was. Wasp. Thing, no, no, no. I don't mean wasp. I mean like James Hetfield was just. Uh, what also the incredible lyrics when he still was dialed into being angry. Yeah. Obviously, and the still therapy didn't help the music at all. N- well, no, it was terrible. Oh, excuse me. 
I belched into the microphone and then turned my face away from it. Yeah, okay. It's that kind of podcast. Okay. We can just uh, uh, I'm, I'm still looking for pants. We can. Yeah. Uh, it's a mutual masturbation that's put me off, but I've tried to keep my... No eye contact. <laughs> yeah. Don't get in on my Garfield slippers. No, but I'm not a hater of um, Load or Reload and the Black Album. I think the Black Album... Um, no, no, I mean... Yeah, load obviously, or Reload? No, no. awful. No, hang Come on. on I'll defend it now. Hang on. Jeez I, my Obviously, my favorite is Ride the Lightning and Kill Em All and Master of Puppets. But I think that um, the Black Album was... It's, I don't own it. It's too overplayed for me. I mean, this is a, an argument heavy metalers have been having for fucking 30 years now or 25 years. But it's, you know, My Friend of Misery and there's good songs on there. I understood that they reached the end of the road almost in a way and they reinvented themselves a bit of COC a bit of Trouble a bit, trouble, a bit of Black Sabbath and between Load and Reload is one good album I just wish I could edit the best eight songs and it, it's pretty good now after that now we're taking a headlong I don't even dive know. into I the abyss name, you know? I couldn't even name it name an album uh, St. Anger um, okay um, I saw a good someone Death just made, it, made it into St. Wanker when it just come out and it was the fist with the dick, but the artwork was seamless. They did a good job on the fist cock. It's just, I think the problem is, is that, um, and I've met some people in bands um, who've, uh, who are obviously millionaires or have been millionaires who've, I mean, I interviewed Dave Mustaine and stuff and um, I've met a couple of people in bands and it's very often American sometimes. They've been living in this bubble for 20 or 30 years. Um, it doesn't matter that 2015, it might as well still be 85, might as still be 95. And, they're being surrounded by yes men, people who are who have a financial incentive to agree with them. Did and Dave so Chappelle, same thing. That's why I went to Africa. The yes men factor canceled out all the art. Right, right, so right. So they're like, I'm an artist. I'm going to leave. Yeah, yeah. I only know the Dave Chappelle show. I'd never really seen a stand-up. Yeah, it was around the show because he right. Comedy Central offered him a, a $50 million thing. And That's then insane. everybody was, you know, yeah, yeah. and then he's like, you know what? I'm out. Yeah. Oh, well, fair play to him, yeah. fair play to him for doing that because it's, it's, I mean, I don't think necessarily that making a living from what you create. I don't think that necessarily means that it compromises everything you do if you're a certain kind of, but it, if you've lived along, it lived that way for an, an awful long time. I mean, how do you sit down with James Hatfield and tell him, listen, mate, that riff's no good. Like, mm. who, who the fuck am I? Who the fuck are you? Who, who the fuck can tell the man who wrote? Um, Damage Incorporated, like, listen, mate, that riff sucks. Yeah, yeah. Or your playing is on tight or whatever. And so all these millionaire bands and millionaire people, they become unchallenged. And mm. therefore, and they become so distanced from... How do you maintain your, your street credibility and be a fulfilled person at the same time? It's is that very impossible? hard. I mean, Iron Maiden is a good example. Steve Harris is a good example of... I mean, I always say, you know, when we have the punk versus metal argument, well... You know, Johnny Rotten sells, he's fucking selling butter commercials and he's this and he's that. He's been on, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Don't see Steve Harris selling yeah. fucking, don't see Steve Harris selling insurance. Do so you see Iggy Pop selling fucking insurance? I don't know, see that Steve broke Harris. my heart. I was living in London. I saw this Iggy Pop uh, yeah. car insurance thing. Yeah. And I was like, don't see and it was a puppet with him. Yeah. Looked like him. It was terrible. You don't see Steve Harris selling insurance, do you? That's why I've painted myself in the corner in my career that I do live in because there's You're I don't the one that makes you no money, so I'm, no one ever cares. Exactly. <laughs> I'm the one who's done it. Well, well I'm quite glad that Primordial in its own small microcosmic way has made eight albums of no compromise. Eight on, eight albums on those terms of, of not compromising anything. But it is difficult. I mean but I respect say somebody like Iron Maiden, okay, their quality of the albums dipped in the mid nineties, but you look at an album like you look at an album like um not uh, like X Factor, and it's still uncompromising, you know. I mean, and it's Steve, Steve Harris, a person like that. I guess maybe that maybe it's geographical, maybe it's where you come from. If you're from the East End of London and you're brought up working class, like th th the Iron Maiden dudes were, and yeah, you know, I are you really that, gonna? Yeah. You, they never stopped going down the local to have a pint with their mates, and their pro their old mates would go, they wouldn't be able to live with themselves. No, whereas maybe if you're f if you're from LA, you're surrounded by. Yeah. Bullshit anyway. Yeah. I don't know, you know? Yeah, but no, that's a good point. I, I think that's true. You I know. mean, let, let, okay, let's look at it like I've this. I've made certain dis business decisions about my own career because I didn't want the scrutiny of going home and having to deal with a bunch of animals yeah. mocking me to the grave, oh, my pissing on my, line up the piss on my grave. Oh, man, listen, my mates would, 
never let me fucking get over it. If I just went, oh, oh by the way, I'm singing, I'm singing with this power metal band, and and you know, I'm just just for one tour, they're gonna pay me twenty thousand euro. My mates would be like, yeah, but they're like some Christian fucking power metal band. Yeah, but you know, yeah, I would no. never ever live that no. down. But the point is, that, like, I mean, when did, you know, personality-wise, I'm more Black Sabbath than Van Halen, but I understand that. Black Sabbath had to come from Birmingham. Van Halen had to come from California. Do you sure. know what I mean? Yeah. But when Black Sabbath came to California, it ruined them. So sunshine and cocaine and optimism ruined Black Sabbath. Hope. Yeah, hope ruined Sabbath. <laughs> Sabbath were better when they had no <laughs> hope, hope. And they were just from the working class streets of Birmingham. So in that sense, you know, like... You think hope ruins comedy? Yes, I think so. so. The, the best comedians I've ever known are the ones who are miserable fucking Hopeless? dark cunts. No, they're dark cunts. You need. Yeah. I mean, what what art has anyone ever wanted to listen to that's created from joy, or no? That's a very sweeping statement. But I mean, like, do you want to listen to like, I don't know, Taylor Swift? <laughs> okay, so I mean, <laughs> in that sense, your artistic expression comes from adversity. It comes from sacrifice. It comes from a well of darkness that maybe you can. Um, you know, plumb into, pl did I just say the word plumb? Plumb it. <laughs> you plum. know, you can draw from uh, as a creative person and an individual. I mean, look at Sabbath. It's a perfect example. But how do you keep from killing yourself? What, they're not dead, are they? No, but we're talking about artists and well, stuff. Well, you might sell more records if you do. That is I don't funny. know. But what do you mean? Well, no, you don't have to be. I mean, I, I remember being in a, in a hotel room in Dublin with Steve Hughes and six other comedians. And there was a, a Dublin taxi driver there who was a friend of one of the comedians, who was a dealer and who had come round to roll joints and supply the lads with lines. And me and him bonded and we just sat back and we just watched six manic, depressive, fucking dark cunts just rip each other to bits. Yeah. And there was no women there, so there was no reason for them to be over the top. Cockfight. Nothing. It was just, you know, and, and there was like one American lad just sitting back going, Fucking hell, man! I, what the fuck? These guys, and it was just rah, 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 like it was. It was rabid attacking each other. Uh, once they were like coked up to the gills, it was rabid, and I was just standing back, and I was just with this Dublin section. I was going, "Look at the darkness in this fucking room! <laughs> Look at these fucking cunts ripping each other to bits, isn't it? For fuck? no reason, isn't they came a, together. Yeah, isn't it amazing? And he's just like, he's just like, ah, oh, yeah, you know what I mean. I don't give a fuck, man." I'm just here for the fucking joints or whatever, but like this is I, I get the odd joke, get the odd joke out of it. Yeah, but, but look at this fucking bullshit, <laughs> you know. Someone yeah. will be fucking crying soon, and when they start to fucking cry, I'm out of here. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah, you're right too, but I do think somehow that artistically, what is creatively, what is there to be gained from drawing from a well of? It's like joy. It's like Patti Smith, right? Let's take Patti Smith, you know, let's take her classic 19, late, nine, late 1970s period when she was dark and in turmoil and interesting. Do you want to listen to the album where she goes, oh, I just had a baby, I really found myself and I got really into yoga and I've just been eating tofu and, um, uh, you know, do you want to listen to that album? Fuck off. You want to listen to the dark Patti Smith. You want to listen to the Stones on heroin. You don't want to hear the Neil, Stones. Neil Young on heroin. Yeah, you don't want to hear the Stones doing yoga. I don't fucking care about that. Yeah, I understand the artistic need to keep creating but the well you're drawing from is dry you know and so maybe at least from my point of view there's a certain, certain compromise i make as a creative person if i can call myself that which is that um if i was this happy-go-lucky individual which you know many of my friends listening now will be like laughing to me, me for even mentioning that in one sentence because it's just not that way um you c the same things couldn't come from you. The same songs couldn't come from you. Do you know what I mean? I mean, sure. So it's the catalyst for all the. But things. it's the it has to be. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're just left with um, who wants to hear? I don't want to hear Patti Smith's song about or album about. Well, this you know I had a really, I got pregnant and had a yeah, baby, and it was the most. Not I. I don't know anything about her other than the, the classic albums to so know she ever made that album, or I. I don't want to know it if it mm. exists because I'm sure it's terrible. I, Do you I think that comes with with uh, youth? Some people just get too tired for the fight sometimes, and they just give up. They just them. not necessarily. It's it's not an industry thing. It's not a family thing. Just personally, like uh, you know that Entomb song in the flesh. From um, 
Sorry, LG, but I only know the first four, three, four albums. Um, and it's talking about fading away. And, yeah. And once you were kind of relevant. Well, there's so many time. songs like this. Yeah, yeah. I have a song. We have a song with Promodio called Gallows Hymn. Um, and it, it, it's about literally the things that we did. Um, let's say I met you a year ago. And so the first time we met was maybe eight, nine years ago. And we sat around that table at Vakin, yeah. And we drank in the afternoon. And we put the world to rights and sorted it all out. And you may not see that person. There's almost fights. Yeah, there, there was actually. There was yeah. some guy pulled Tom's hair. I was yeah, gonna yeah. punch him in the throat. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, festivals every year. You know, I meet a similar set of characters, and we sit and we have a drink. How are you since last year? Yeah, man, fucking whatever. We put the world to rights. We're really just getting a year older. Yeah. Just you know, and if you manage, if you lose that, um, that sort of um, inner fire, inner anger, inner rage or whatever, you just become a parody of yourself, especially when you're devoted to a music musical style that's basis is based on being extreme sure. to, to all intents and purposes. We're looking at Metallica or whatever, you know. So it's, it's hard to fake. Well, it's when you're a millionaire, it's hard to be an angry. You're young, dumb and full of cum. You're mm. 19 years old, you're going to fuck this world. Then you're 45-year-old with a soccer mom wife who's, you know, you're... you're you, you have enough money to live and blah, blah. How do you still make the same anger? Um, so in that way, we're both very lucky that we've never made a fucking penny from what we're doing. I know. <laughs> po poverty is good motivation <laughs> for hatred, isn't well, it? I, I, hatred is a good motivation for hatred. Yeah, I don't need to be poor to fucking hate. <laughs> but no, I totally agree with what you mean. I, I totally agree with that. I think that there, there's a certain sacrifice you give to being creative, which is, I don't want to you know pour the tortured artist bullshit, but at the same time, if I was that person who was entirely contented and happy with um, everything that I was doing, then maybe the same, I wouldn't be able to draw from the same well of darkness. And that's a very important thing without sounding too um, over the top about what it represents. You know, uh, I think it's very important. And I don't blame a band who are 55 or 50 or 45 from still going. I don't blame Slayer for still going. Anvil? Anvil, Anvil is different because, okay, I'll explain. But say like Slayer. You know, it's just, you can't be that angry when you're 50. You just can't possibly be that I angry. Just let me do it then. Because he's rock and roll. He is rock and heavy roll. Heavy metal is, the, you know, the, the blueprint of heavy metal is based in a sort of outsider status. It's based on alienation. It's based on not being the guy who gets the fucking girl. Not being, not having the fucking perfect story, the perfect linear life that leads you to the 2.4 nuclear family it's it's about it, it's it, it's a teenage story of outsider state it's about being the misfit blah blah whatever can you still play that card when you're 52 and you've already made a million and a half dollars or two million dollars i don't think you can you've got to sidestep that into some more interesting musical territory which a band like slayer failed to do uh, i don't think they can be as angry as a 19 or 20 year old when they made show no mercy when they're 52 and i don't i don't think they but i don't want them to quit because there, it's there. I wouldn't be one of these commentators who says, "Oh, you know, all these old men should quit." No, they can do whatever the fuck they want. If Lemmy wants to play to the day he drops, like Tommy Cooper, uh, bad example, or Kerry King, whatever, mm -hmm. fine, keep going. But Motorhead is rock and roll. I mean, look, Chuck Berry kept playing till he was eighty-two or eighty-three, mm. eighty-one. You know, so it's well, rock and roll is different from the blueprint of heavy metal, which is based on alienation and aggression. You know, but how can you be that aggressive? And alienated when you're 55. Speaking of alienated and aggressive, are you to bring this back to aliens again? Let's uh, let's play a primordial song. <laughs> oh, we'll play the one Gallows hymn that we just talked about. Perfect. This is Gallows hymn from Primordial. Yes, do it.
back. We've had our insulin. Well, that's cool. <laughs> we had everyone's uh, futons full. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but this is uh, your first. The twelve-year-old rent boys are on the way. You're. Uh, how do people get a hold of you? You have oh. a Twitter account. Yeah, I do have. A, well, I mean, the thing about it is, I'm a, I'm a. Are you on Tinder, Alan? <laughs> yeah, I'm a sort of um, in with at least within the underground, maybe in Europe or something like this. Um, I'm sort of relatively well known as writing columns for Zero Tolerance, and now finally I have a WordPress, and I'm, I'm on the precipice of jumping into my own podcast, um, and that kind of thing, because I think that there's a there's a niche for some um, stupid. Vaguely humorous, politically cultural driven heavy metal podcast that it's leased in English by someone who um, has a relatively reasonable grasp of the English language um, <clears throat> out there. Because, I mean, it must be said that most podcasts are by Americans, right? Well, I think you. Even the top Ricky 40 charts of Irish podcasts, 25 of them are by Americans. Yeah, it's I mean, quite American. Do, do you ever thing. listen to this My American Life? And everyone kind of has this sort of. You know, uh, today we're going to talk about blah, 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 some lesbian poet from <laughs> 1975 that I don't know. <laughs> you know, I think to myself, did they all talk like this? They're like fucking, they're like... Um, There's a labyrinth on the internet of... Nonsense. They're like airline stewards or something, yeah. but of the fucking vegan lesbian they, left or something like this. And we all have to kind of talk like this. You know, so That's how they get them in the killing themselves. Yeah, well... I just wondered how much hatred I would get for doing a podcast, but we'll see. You know what? That's fine. Yeah, no. Fuck it. Oh, but there's nothing in the anything in the middle is the what's worse than indifference. Um, I'd rather be loved or hated yeah. on either terms. I'd rather be and, and ferociously hated. Just don't shoot me. Mm. But ferociously hated by people um, because what's the alternative is very much with modern society, you know, by people who are. Um, I, an hour and a half ago, I mentioned this Jermaine Greer, uh, people protesting the greatest living feminist of the 20th century from speaking at Carnegie University. Twelve people showed up for the when she finally yeah. came. Yeah. 2,000 people signed the protest. Inactive humanitarianism, press the like button, press the like button. So I'm, I'm wary of immersing myself too much in online culture because I think it, it sucks our soul. Like it, Give it a it, chance. It, it drains it's, us, it's you, you know? It's you, you're a thing. But... Uh, we're gonna. Uh, we're done. <laughs> we're done. We gotta get out of here. We gotta yeah, we go. do. We're we going have to go to a comedy store. show. We're going to a comedy store and then uh, probably end up the rainbow, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Don't give them the date. No, they can't. Not the date. No. Do you have shows coming up? Um. Anything you want to plug? No, I don't want to plug anything. I don't care. Yeah, perfect. Uh, I'm just here to uh, talk about living with AIDS. Yeah. Um, together with Jason Rouse. It's been my, and we're probably going to have, beat it. we're probably going to have unprotected anal sex, I imagine, before we go out, are we? Or yeah, are we we're going to have some bangers and mash. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being on the show, Alan. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Don't kiss me on the mouth. Don't ask if you're hurting me. And if you hear the safe word, stop what you're doing immediately. Do you have pantyhose? <laughs>